In the beginning was the world. Oh, I see. You think uh, religion is for suckers and easy marks and mollycoddles, huh? It's just You think Jesus was some kind of a sissy, eh? Jesus had guts. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Steve Dixon, who's the campus pastor for Hillsong Church in Brisbane. And it's uh, great to have him on the line at the moment. How are you, Steve? I'm doing really well. Great to have you with us today. And uh, we met a few years ago when I was able to go and uh, take part in a, an Alpha presentation at your church uh, when Bear Grylls was out in Australia, who is uh, one of the faces for Alpha. And it was interesting. He was, he, he was being interviewed by Brian Houston in Sydney, and you broadcast it live on the big screen at your church in Brisbane. Isn't it amazing what you can do with technology these days? It's incredible what you can do with technology. It's uh, actually one of the big pluses of uh, Hillsong Church in the fact that we're kind of one church in so many locations. Mm. One of the great pluses that enables us to do that is uh, live links, which we use sparingly, but it's uh, fantastic to be able to do, yeah. Mm, that's wonderful. Now, while we're on the topic of Alpha, uh, we're going to hear a bit of your life story in a moment, but on the topic of Alpha, I understand you're involved in an Alpha group in the CBD in Brisbane, reaching out to business people. Uh, tell us how that's going. Well, it's good. We've... Uh we we uh, we meet in the city. I actually live in the city, which is uh, which we're enjoying very very much indeed. So we thought we should be doing something in the city. And uh, yeah, we've got a group of business people that meet. We actually do it in the morning. We do it in a cafe. And uh, it's going great, mate. Mm, Fantastic, mate. Such a great outreach. I've done Alpha probably 13 or 14 times, and I'm almost a Christian. So, you know, (laughs) no, no, I think I've given my heart to Jesus. Every time I do the Alpha course, I give my heart to Jesus afresh again, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, mate. So our listeners would have noticed uh, the British accent. Uh, Tell us a bit about where you were born and raised and what was life like as a young fella. Yeah, well, I was born in uh, Manchester, England. Um, it's the city in the north of England where famous for Manchester United and famous for rain. Rains 300 days a year on average. Um, so I was brought up there, left there when I was uh, 20 years of age and uh, moved to Nottingham. And uh, from there moved to Spain, back to England and on to Australia. So we've had a bit of a, a varied uh, life from those Manchester beginnings. There you go. I didn't know you were based in Nottingham for a while. Actually, I spent six months in Nottingham when I was younger. Is that right? <laughs> my, my dad worked at a university at Woolerton Hall. Oh, yeah. And uh, we got to meet J. John, uh, the well-known uh, British evangelist at the time at the local Anglican yeah. church. Yeah, I know him. I know him personally. Good man. But he's like Mr. Bean, isn't he? He's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's heard that before. <laughs> he has absolutely. I actually uh, visited England. I don't know, maybe twelve or thirteen years ago, and he was speaking at a series of uh, uh, talks on the Just Ten series that he does. Uh, oh, yeah. All about That's the Ten right. Commandments. That's right. And uh, I remember I walked up to him, and uh, he remembered me from when I was a kid. I'd emailed him and said I was going to come and visit him. And, and he goes, oh, Matthew, hello. How are you today? <laughs> it's so – this is my friend from Australia. <laughs> he, he's so out there, isn't he? <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is. He's a remarkable man. We like unique people. Yes. Okay, now tell us a bit about your conversion experience. I understand about the age of 16. Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, my, my parents had been divorced when I was uh, 11. I've got a very fascinating and complicated uh, family uh, history. Uh, but my dad left. He was a manager of a casino and a nightclub in Manchester, so that was kind of the atmosphere I grew up in. He left when I was 11. Um, I was the uh, the only child, the only son of that marriage. And, um, yeah, my, my mother remarried, ended up remarrying someone who was an alcoholic, so that didn't quite work out the way she had hoped. 
And uh, I became a Christian because really of the prayers of my grandmother, who was the only Christian in the family. The rest of the family, we were all a disaster, to be absolutely honest. And uh, I was the first one after 15, 16 years of her prayers that became a Christian on the very first time I ever went into a church service. I've been trying to shrug off a school friend of mine who'd become a Christian just a few, few weeks before and couldn't get away from him. And they came knocking on my door at 6.25 every Sunday night to take me to a local church just down the road from where I lived that I never, you know, even darkened the door of. And I eventually went on the very first uh, night I went into a church service and heard the gospel. I got saved and never been the same since. And uh, family-wise, things turned around. Most members of my family, not my father, but most other members of my family had the privilege of either leading to the Lord personally in the next two or three years or... You know, they became Christians. So there's about 15 members of my family that became Christians after I did, all thanks to the prayers of Grandma. Of course. Wow, amazing. Or Nana. <laughs> I will be eternally grateful to uh, to her. So family-wise, a little bit complicated in the fact that in my 30s, I found out that I'm actually, although I'm called Steve Dixon, I'm not a Dixon. So that was a bit of a revelation. Later on in life, also found out I've got a half-brother that they forgot to tell me about uh, when I was growing up. I found that out when I was 40. So the whole family side of things is just an interesting uh, kind of story, but um, one that uh, one that gives us great faith and confidence in God being my father rather than, you know, just complete dependency upon uh, the safety of humanity, which isn't as safe as people think it is. So tell us a bit about after your conversion experience at 16, and, you know, never underestimate the prayers of Nana, hey? That is, that is awesome. Absolutely. Uh, tell us about your journey after that. What did you do uh, at the end of school? Did you did you go to you just study straight away? What did you do for work? Yeah. Well, I, I, the, the Nana got saved. I actually led my cousin to the Lord within a couple of hours, so <laughs> I was kind of got... I, I guess calling and everything and salvation all happened on the same night for me. Um, within no time at all, we started to kind of grow the youth group in the church. It was a pretty older church, you know, where the average age would have been 60s and 70s. So we were on about four or five young people when I became a Christian. So that, that grew. We got up to about 80, and there's people all over the world serving God now from those initial 80, which is, uh, which is a great memory, of course. Um, and I guess, really, when I went into work, I worked for the government uh, civil service, uh, Department of Health and Social Security back there in Manchester and uh, doing a lot of stuff church-wise and singing and eventually preaching, you know, in schools and uh, and clubs and all sorts of interesting places. And, and I think really the balance just shifted without me realizing it to such an extent that all I really wanted to do with my life was to serve God and kind of the, the, the job, I should say, kind of got in the way, made the decision at the age of 20 to go into ministry and uh, that's where Nottingham came in, that uh, I was invited to be part of the evangelistic team in Nottingham. Uh, funnily enough, it's a, it's a church where Robert Ferguson was on staff at the time. In fact, he ended up pastoring some of his younger guys. And, of course, here I am 30-odd years later working uh, in, in Australia in Hillsong Church. And Robert is uh, one of the key kind of teachers and preachers here. Mm. So we've kind of reunited again 30 years later. But yeah, so we did the, the, the Nottingham season. That took me to Spain. Uh, real calling of God on my life for, for, for Spain, which would be too long to explain on a radio interview. But a real sense of God of uh, that would be the place that I would do my boot camp, if you like. So we ended up 10 years in Spain. We planted five churches. We set up drug rehabilitation centers and wealth creation things and jobs for addicts and so on. So a very varied and interesting 10 years in Spain. I got married 
um, right at the beginning of that to a Chinese Malaysian wife who was a missionary in Zimbabwe. So I'm sorry, mate, but we're pretty complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we end up with a Chinese Malaysian who's been in Zimbabwe marrying a blonde-haired Englishman, and here we are in Spain doing everything in Spanish, planting churches. So I think God's got a sense of humor. Eh? And you and I were chatting recently about uh, the Reto uh, drug rehab. Uh, there's one in Brisbane at Greenbank that I'm connected to, and right. these guys from Spain do an amazing work. Uh, do you yeah. know much about the Reto organization in Spain? Did you have much to do with them? Uh, I had a little bit to do with them, yes. we, we um, I set up a charity called El Faro, which means uh, the lighthouse, and uh, worked closely with mainly one of the groups called Betel, um, also another group called Remar, and uh, Reto, the three of them were the, were the three biggies, Christian drug rehabilitation ministries, all excellent people mm. doing a fantastic work. So I certainly... Um, worked with and met the guys from Reto way back in the early 80s mm. uh, or the mid 80s up in the north of Spain so uh, it'll be interesting to kind of reunite mm. and uh, and renew kind of uh, relationships with those guys now, now, now and over in Australia so we did a lot of work with, with uh, rehab and working with heroin addicts and um, it was, a, it was an, an incredible season of our life which we'll never forget we had you know, AIDS, AIDS sufferers, HIV positive people living with us in the house. Nobody else would touch them or help them. And we went through all of that season of our lives when we had young kids and uh, just gave ourselves to doing the best we could in, in, that, uh, in that world. So we were planting churches and looking after people to the best of our abilities at that time and learned many, many lessons that have uh, held us in good stead for mm. the rest of our lives and ministrations, that's for sure. What a wonderful outreach. Uh, and I know the guys from Reto in Spain, uh, I've, uh, I've tried to uh, I connect with them as much as I can. Their English is improving, but I tried <laughs> to learn um, some Spanish. So uh, I, I told them I could say, hasta la vista, baby. Uh, <laughs> I, learned, yeah. I learned, you know, a diablo, I think, means devil. Um, Espíritu yeah. uh, Santo, is that Holy Spirit? Espiritu Santo, that's right. Okay. Holy Spirit, yeah, you're doing all right, mate. You're okay. Good so I know a few there, and could you just say hello to all of our radio listeners? Could you say that to us in Spanish? Hola y buenos días a todos nuestros oyentes en la radio. Ah, oh, gracias. Very good. <laughs> I actually ended up being uh, a simultaneous interpreter with the Chamber of Commerce in Madrid before we left Spain. Wow. So because I've got an accent, a Manchester accent in English, they all, all the people that are bilingual jokingly say, I've got an Oxford English accent in Spanish, and I've got a rubbish Manchester accent in English. So there you go. <laughs> oh, fantastic! All right. So uh, you spent some time in Spain, and then and how did you end up in Australia? Well, after Spain, uh, we went back to the UK for thirteen years um, to work with the churches that were overseeing us at that time, and uh, it still gave me the freedom not only to go back to Spain virtually every month, but I did a lot of church planting training. Uh, around the world. So we got a bit of a name for being kind of church planters who had done a lot of community work, as in, you know, the drug rehabilitation, the, uh, the raising people up out of poverty, creation of jobs, all that type of thing. So I ended up training church planters in a number of countries, actually, in running church planting schools. I ended up calling them community transformation schools. Um, and that got us, uh, a lot of our time was uh, spent in Asia. So I was in and out of Asia all the time during our 13 years based in the UK. And um, Australia came to Australia. The invitation eventually came uh, to move to Australia so that we could do a lot more of our global work 
if you like, from Australia going into Asia. So it got to the point in life uh, when we were kind of mid-40s where we thought, you know what, we've been senior pastors, we've planted churches, we've got a fair amount of experience. Maybe we should just give ourselves to uh, to training other leaders and doing, you know, helping church planters and so on. And so we relocated to Brisbane where we were invited to come. And I thought that was probably the, the end of the, day, the you know, the season of our life of being senior pastors. Now we could just help others. And uh, so we came and enjoyed a few years uh, as associate pastor at Garden City here in Brisbane and uh, was doing all the global things as well as the community work locally and international staff and uh, was quite enjoying that. And we were actually planning to move to Hong Kong just to further complicate matters to oversee the the churches that we'd help plant. Um, But that was the time where just circumstances were such that the church leadership changed here and uh, we were asked to stay and uh, just a long story that eventually goes to a decision by the church to invite Pastor Brian and Bobby Houston to become the senior pastors, and they were the ones that asked us to stay as being the local campus pastors. So I was just nothing say, simple about the Dixon lifestyle. It's a bit <laughs> well, the Hillsong Church, of course, you know, incredible growth um, over the last couple of decades. Uh, started yeah. by Brian and Bobby uh, in you know a, a little school hall in in Sydney, uh, and now they've planted different campuses around Australia and around the world. I mean, I, I know Phil Dooley in South Africa, we've interviewed him before. Uh, of course, the guys in New York, London, Paris, uh, where else are you? Kiev? Uh, Kiev, Moscow, <laughs> Stockholm, Copenhagen, yeah, all over the place. In- incredible. The little church that could from Australia and Hillsong yeah. Music, I think, is sung in, I don't know, probably 90, 99% of churches around the world too. Uh, what's it like being part of such a global phenomenon? Well, it, it, it's a script that we couldn't have written, of course. You know, we were we were invited in in that sense, and um, so we weren't saved in the Hillsong world. We we had this whole, uh, you know, th- almost three decades of ministry be- before that, and I've just got to say that it's been the most incredible four years of our lives. Uh, we're now in our 50s, and I've got to say I've probably learned more about leadership and more about uh, ministry and life in the last four years than I had been doing for you know, many years previous. So it's, it's an incredible environment. Pastor Brian and Bobby themselves, um, sincerely, I would say, you know, I'm in my 50s. I've met an awful lot of leaders and pastors around the globe. And uh, they are just the most remarkable people, beautiful people, uh, very pastoral, very caring. Uh, you know, don't don't believe the today, tonight kind of approach <laughs> <laughs> to how people are. You know, we've got we've got to know them. They are just remarkable people and and incredible leaders. So mm. it's been quite a privilege actually to to step into something. We're, we're not stupid. We we understand that we're stepping into kind of thirty years of church building, culture building, and uh, we benefit from that and being able to walk into something that is so healthy and so good. And um, of course, what that's done in Brisbane has brought all of that, you know, culture and and life and faith and uh, and abilities and skills and so on to the table. And uh, certainly the last four years in Brisbane, again, is just an, an amazing story. You know, the growth is remarkable. The challenges we have now, you know, you can you almost feel bad about talking about them because they're, they're kind of growth challenges more than anything else, you know. Mm. Um, so just wonderful, wonderful days that we're, we're enjoying. We're enjoying the momentum of it. We're just trying to keep the thing healthy, trusting that God keeps it uh, growing at the pace that it has been. And 
so great days, great days, and uh, all the news of what our church is doing around the world are, are fantastic. I had the opportunity, Pastor Brian Sanders, to go and help some of the younger pastors around Europe last year. So we went around, we've gone again at the end of this year. And so that took us into Spain, which was obviously great for us. And then Barcelona, we've got a new church there, and, and we were in Copenhagen and and Germany and London and all over, and just the health of the church was remarkable. Mm. And as you say, how how amazing from a little school hall in the western suburbs of Sydney to see all of this come from from there. And I've got to say, I've I've heard some people say, oh, now that there's a Hillsong in Brisbane, for example, it'll just grow from transferred growth. But I've heard that you guys are seeing so many new people come to Christ. Totally. Um, yeah. I think once someone told me once that there was, I think, seventy five percent. Uh, of the new people that were coming were first-time Christians, never been in a church before. Have you got any stats like that you can share with us? Or? Yeah, something like 80-something percent now, or 82 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, there's no doubt about it. When when you go through a church transition, similar to what happened in Brisbane, you do get some transfer of growth. But I've got to tell you, we, we, we're pretty good at you know statistics and knowing what's what. And it only really lasted about three months. And don't forget there's people that would have left the church we yeah. you know, were to go elsewhere. So that kind of settles down, and there's, there's not a great deal you can do about that. Mm. It might not be what you're looking for, but you know, it certainly does happen. Um, but that balance shifted within about three months. Mm. And uh, since then, we, it's really picked up steam in terms of being the sort of church that I think we've built enough credibility with our members in those first few months for them to feel, you know what, if I could just bring my friend or my spouse or my kid or my neighbor or my work colleague to a church service, I wouldn't be embarrassed. I think it would be really great if I could get them there. And once you got to that level, you know, you'd built enough credibility on people. And, and that is that is exactly what has been happening. Mm. So people, you know, we encourage them to do it. We help them to do it. You know, make invitations easy. We, we we kind of do various things. For instance, tonight's service, we call it Friday Night Live. We've got a whole series of Friday nights. And uh, just present the gospel in a creative way. And things like that we try and do to help people invite others to church. Simple mm, as that. That's wonderful. So that, you know, if you can preach to... A hundred people have never been in the church before. Some of those are going to be switched on and think, you know, this is for me. Mm. Now, just quickly before we go, I, I love hearing stories of um, radical things that have happened in church services. And I, I heard an interesting one about your church a while back uh, before it became Hillsong that there was a bloke one Sunday morning who rode his bike down the aisle with paint <laughs> on his face and a loaded harpoon. Exactly. How did you guys that cope with one. that? Oh, man, a correct crazy. I think that the host at the back... This was a gentleman who was on a bike, came through the car park and hadn't taken his medication. So the poor guy, you know, wasn't in a good state. But he came on his bicycle with a harpoon. And I think the host at the back thought this has got to be some sort of a part of the service. You know, something that's so ludicrous that he, he basically went straight through the fire down, down the middle aisle to the front row and stopped right in front of uh, myself and uh, two or three of the pastors on the front. And, of course, it takes you 10 seconds while the worship's going on to kind of assimilate in your brain what's going on. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm sure I would have known if this was part of the service. So <laughs> I ended up tackling him and taking the harpoon off him. And really? The funny thing is, 95% of the people didn't even notice. They carried on worship with their eyes closed. <laughs> and uh, the other 5% were thinking, thank you, Jesus, we're, we're still here. We haven't got a harpoon through us. <laughs> crazy thing. So crazy you thing. never know what's going to happen on a Sunday. Eh? <laughs> you never know, mate. You never know. Well, it's been fantastic catching up with you, uh, Steve Dick. The uh, campus pastor of Hillsong Church in Brisbane And of course if people want to find out more uh, the, the website 
uh, is hillsong.com. You can find out different branches all around Australia and around the world. Uh, Steve Dixon, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Matt. Great to talk to you and uh, God bless you and all you do. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just go to historymakersradio.com. There you can download interviews, subscribe to the podcast, make a donation, find out about our YouTube channel, and maybe connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Just go to historymakersradio.com for more. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Matt Prater. Why don't you go and make history? History Makers.